All right. Well, we can hang up here, but I think you should write handwritten thank you notes to the avocado people and the sourdough people and send them because there's nothing good in the mail besides Amazon right now. How about we start sending each other letters? Too is that too much COVID? You have to wipe down the letters when you get them. I don't know. I I just don't think you're wiping down technique. I I think you would just make your brain explode if you think about how how much wiping down needs to happen. I'm more of a washing my hands guy. Okay, I like washing hands. You're listening to Landline Podcast. Hello? Hey, now that's better. Landline. Hey. Are you there? Gabe Can you the hear? Car. Can you? Okay, great. Gabe in the car. Gabe in L.A. Gabe, our famous guy. Gabe, our famous guy in L.A. The COVID-19 report. I just had to hang up on Max. Um, because Perfect. we're we're discussing like the spectrum of what is safe with food consumption. That's what Landline is going to explore this episode. So just right. tell us well, what tell us what quest. You, apropos, you know what I'm doing right now? Yeah, exactly. Tell us the quest that you're on. So this is my first time in the car. I think in two weeks exactly, fourteen days. Um, I've got B in the back seat. He's eating. Uh, goldfish and I uh, ordered 12 organic California avocados uh, on Thursday to get delivered to my house because I don't venture out for groceries but by accident I got them sent to my old address so now I'm driving 20 miles to my old house in the hopes that the box of avocados is outside does someone live at your old house is the first question there's a new, they're new tenants, but I don't think they've moved in yet. So I don't have to interact with anybody. All I hope is that a porch pirate didn't steal my avocados. And you no longer have your ring doorbell cam there, so you can't, it's not like you left that there, right? I know, I can't log in to see what's going on there. <laughs> um, but I have um, a, a mask if I need it, a bottle of Clorox bathroom disinfecting spray, some dishwashing gloves, um, and a bottle of water. You need a bottle of wine, it sounds like. So, so uh, okay, all right, great. There's so much here. We could do this for an hour and a half. First of all, B, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining. That's two two episodes in a Can row. Did I? Our... All right, well, that's great. Two episodes in a row with a woman guest, or, or two out of three. Um, all right, so yep. Gabe, there's a spectrum that that exists right now in this country around what is safe regarding just food consumption. I mean, we could ex- explode it out to everything, but let's just stick to food. And, I, right. you know, first and foremost, everybody is 100% sure that their point of view is the right one, right? Let's just start with that. Yep. So, you, so you, by the um, arsenal in your car, clearly represent a certain point of the spectrum. You Have you, you know, I'm considering going to the farmer's market today, so I want to yell, yell at each other about that. Um, but, 
you know, I guess, and also you and I have stockpiled. I want to talk about our stockpiles. I've got a grocery store receipt here that totaled $729 that everyone's been yelling at me about. So there's a lot to get to. So you, what, what is your like lockdown regarding food? Like, you know, everyone has to eat. So how have you mitigated your risk? What have your decisions been? Yeah. So I don't, well, I like to have nobody enter my house at all, except for we still have a dog walker who opens our door with gloves and our dog runs to him and he leaves. So that's the only human contact we've had. But then immediately when he leaves, we wipe down our door handle. So we're trying to mitigate all human contact and protect ourselves from outside forces. So we don't do takeout. Definitely not. We don't go to grocery stores. I absolutely will not go to a farmer's market. That's like a COVID festival. Um, so what we do do is get groceries, various different types of groceries delivered. Now, the problem is I probably like I probably do so much grocery delivery that I might as well just get takeout and deliver food delivery every night. But what happens with that is I'll order online from either Ralph. Ralph's or Costco, that takes like five or six days, so I do that in advance. But then I've found local markets that will deliver me like some high-end goods, like fruits and vegetables. And then yesterday I got like smoked salmon, blue cheese stuffed olives, um, something called caviar cream cheese, and some wild shrimp delivered to my house. And when you're dipping the shrimp in the caviar cream cheese, are you reading articles about how the Bronx are dying on NewYorkTimes.com, or are you just looking at work emails? Well, here's what happens. They, people will drop it in my front door. I'll go outside with yellow gloves, and I'll spray disinfectant on, like, a reusable cloth, and then I'll wipe down everything that's been brought there. And if it's fruits and veggies, I'll bring it in. But I won't bring any cardboard or any outside, like, baggies into my house. Because I'm just like, who knows what t- what's on there? I'm try- I just don't want to get anything. All right. Now, your kingdom in, in uh, technically Hollywood or no? You live in Beverly Hills now? What, what neighborhood? Studio, studio, studio City. All right. So in Studio City, you can't live in a castle like yours without at least a landscaper and a pool guy. I mean, I think some people even upgrade to a gardener. So, yeah. what you know, are you cleaning your own pool is the question that everyone listening wants to know. No, the pool guy's still coming. I think that's a, it's a controversial subject on our Nextdoor app about if you should still have, like, land gardeners or pool guys. The other day we were in the pool, and the pool guy came, and he was wearing a bandana over his head, and he just didn't say anything and stared at us until we got out of the pool. And then... Yeah, then he cleaned our pool, but then I wiped down every metal surface that he had touched. I guess cleaning something would it would be a great irony if cleaning something brought COVID nineteen. So, I, I think your plan is solid. It's um, incredibly upper crust. It couldn't be more one percent. It's the one percent plan, but it is very very solid. Except the only place that I I find legitimate cause for retort is the idea that in the supply chain where your groceries have been, there is human contact, there are closed spaces, there are warehouses, there are trucks. So I I guess if I'm going to the farmer's market today to get, 
you know, braising greens, salad mix, carrots, um, you know, maybe a, a bunch of flowers, um, re-up on frozen sausages, etc. And um, there have been, you know, a lot of those fresh veggies especially were literally harvested by the same people yesterday out of the ground into a plastic bag that they that they did get from some sort of, you know, Unilever or what Uline or one of those, you know, giant packaging companies. But th- there's actually less human beings touching my food. Now, it's I, I'm not allowed to, like, bag my own greens at the farmer's market. They're, everything is pre-bagged or the farmers are putting it out on a table that they're cleaning for you to pick up and put in your own bag. So how can I have more yeah, but risk? you're just promoting – I understand you have fewer people in the supply chain, but you're promoting like a large group gathering at a Portland farmers market. Like that's what I find unacceptable. Well, like, why? Why are COVID-19 why? Nineteen is all about. Well, what about grocery stores then? I'm not going to the grocery. Store. But should grocery stores be open? But grocery should grocery stores be open? Like you can't make yeah. a, you can't make the logical argument that grocery stores should be open and that farmers markets shouldn't. I just. My argument is that you shouldn't be at either of those places. Just get someone to bring it to you because then that cuts down on human contact for everybody. Except there's another person bringing it to me other than – like I know I don't have COVID-19. I know that my car is clean. You Do Do you know that you don't have COVID-19? Well, I called my doctor. I think do- likely do- our friends have COVID-19. I, uh, I I did call my doctor, Dr. Tran, on Monday and spoke to him over the phone as I dry coughed and um, told him about my sore throat. But he said I couldn't get a test anyways. So um, I, don't, I don't. I have no fever. I have no aches. I have I basically I have I have issues related to um, sudden onset alcoholism. That's my problem. All right. Well, but OK, so if you're going to go to the farmer's market, are you going to wear a mask? Or not tomorrow, first CDC recommendation. Oh, God, the mask thing. I think the masks have have to be next week on Landline because I just don't – I'm going to wear like a a bandero bandana on my face to to the farmer's market. I did wear gloves to the supermarket last week. Um, They've already said bandanas basically don't even do anything because they're so thin. But I'm – so I'm anti-mask. I'm pro-mask if you're going to go to a supermarket. Or farmer's market, which, as you know, I don't think you should do anyway. But I'm anti-mask if I'm, like, going to take my kids for a walk on a street in a residential neighborhood. Like, I'm not going to put a mask on my four-year-old. And, like, that's psychological torture right there. Like, what's that all about? Like, I'll stay six feet away from people. It's ridiculous. I'm not going to do it. So we just I want went to be shamed by other people for not doing it. We just went on a neighborhood walk this morning in the sun. Did a loop down a commercial street where every business is closed. There's this great public – there are all these great public bubblers, public water fountains in Portland, and the water comes straight from Mount Hood, the Bull Run Run Watershed. It's, I think, probably the tastiest um, municipal water in the entire country. And Homer, like, wanted to drink out of the water fountain, and Anna screamed at him, and it was, like, a psychological incident that he's going to tell his therapist about in 17 years. And well, it's like COVID lives on metal for a long time. I know it's fine. I didn't want him drinking out of it, but like how disappointing it is it that he's going to like have a drug problem because of this. So it's, it's just, yeah. it's, and then like, if you think if you're having a good 24 hours and then your kid asks you to do something that 
you literally have been looking forward to letting your kid do since you thought you wanted kids, which is drink out of a public water fountain like me. And you see him get told by his mother that he can't like it's way worse than any of the symptoms of COVID. So, um, all right. So given that, all right. So we just fundamentally disagree about how we should. Well, one other question. We, we fundamentally disagree about how we should be sourcing groceries, and that's okay. I, I, want, I don't want you to get COVID. You don't want me to get COVID. And ultimately, there, is, there isn't enough space in either of our brains to have the anxiety for the other one. Now, we should mention that— All I'll say is just that like, you have the ability for an extra like probably $4 to cut down on group gatherings by having someone bring it to your house. Well, the the fresh veg I've reached. I, I guess I need to get more aggressive about how would you feel about me going to a farm where they've put out like the equivalent of a CSA box outside on a table for me to just put in the back of my car? I'd be okay with that. All right. I guess. All right. So let's go to let's go to the hoard. Let's go to another section hoarding. So yep. I feel like you and I have been on the cutting edge of hoarding food for the last three weeks. Um, obviously, it goes yep. without saying. We're, we're early. We were early to the hoard. It, we, it goes without saying that we're like lucky enough that we have good jobs and that we have our own homes and we have space to hoard. I've got. Do you have a freezer at this point? Do you have a, a chest freezer? I bought one like I think two and a half weeks. Oh, yeah. So this is, you know, obviously not necessarily for everybody, but I do think that there's a lot of um, accessibility in this hoarding because a lot of the stuff I'm buying is is, you know, dry goods. So without listing everything in your situation, well, let, let's talk about our situations, actually. So I we just bought this house and in the basement, in the center of the basement was a closing door to a little space that where a bunch of old paint cans had been. Um, and it turned out that as if God knew COVID was coming and had blessed us with this dry goods, dry storage root cellar area, that there was actually a plug adjacent to this room where I could plug in my freezer and the freezer fits directly into the space right when you open the door. And then above it to the left and right is sort of like a toilet bowl of two shelves where we can have all our dry goods, and the room itself has no light and no heat, and it stays around 48 degrees on its own. So we have eggs in there. We have wine and beer in there. We, I mean, I almost put milk in there. You can, It's not full refrigeration, but carrots and onions and potatoes can go in there safely. So I, I, the first thing you need is a good space, but I have fully pimped out that space with you know everything from flour and sugar and rice to pasta beans annie's mac and cheese you know stewed tomatoes crushed tomatoes whole peeled tomatoes um giant gallons of rice wine vinegar and white I'm just vinegar gonna in interrupt you by saying i'm driving by a sign on the highway that says covid19 less is more avoid gathering Sorry, go ahead. All right, I don't think I'm going to go to the farmers market after this. I, I, I think I think you've convinced me. It's really it's really where it's honestly where the rubber hits the road for me. It's like very difficult. Like I want to support these farmers more than anything else right now, and I like simply don't feel it's appropriate to go. So, anyways, but I think you can figure out a way in Portland. There's probably some website that lets you do it. All right, back to your. Uh your uh, so, the so we've got the space, we've got the freezer, and I basically I'm pretty stocked. But I want to ask you, like, I guess, what is your setup? What do you feel? Oh, shit. What? 
drop these snacks. Hold on, I'm gonna just gonna crash your car. Uh oh. Take your time. Hold on. Take your time. Landline's got the listeners have nowhere to go. They're quarantined. There's no rush. Do you have your snacks? Do you have your snacks? I think she's okay. All right. So what's your setup? Five minutes out from the avocado report. Hold on. I'm almost at my old house. Yeah, we're just going to sit and talk to B while you run in. Um, so what what is your setup and what do you feel good about in terms of general areas where you know you you have no issues? And what are you most concerned about as, as a food hoarder? Well, we started early. Like, I think it was like the Sunday. There was like, I feel like March 13th was like D-Day for COVID where like everybody suddenly got sent home and realized things were really bad. Um, but a week before, the Sunday before, I was like, this is going to happen. What's up, B? You have your snack? Shoes? Shoes? Oh, your shoes. All right, I'll put them on in a little bit. Okay. Um, so I so Meg went to like the stores, and I was just like buy every can you can find, and it was like she came home with like eighteen Chef Boyardee cans, like a bunch of chili, tuna fish, all of that. So we have this excellent pantry with all of that stuff. But that was before I realized you could then just like get groceries after that. So we haven't really dipped into that. So we've got a great pantry. We have like a lazy Susan type spinny uh, thing in a cabinet where we keep all our wine in a dark cabinet. And we can just spin it around and pick a bottle of wine. Nice. And then in our garage, we have the Best Buy chest that has like five pounds of chicken nuggets, of like six loaves of frozen bread. Um, stand by. Do you want your shoe? Sorry, guys. It's okay. It's not really, it's really worse on your end than it is on ours. She's taken off both shoes and then put them one on in the, on the incorrect foot and then can't find the other one. And just keep saying shoes. Yeah, well, give her the shoe. I mean, what kind of parent um, are you? I'm like four minutes from our house. Well, just you pull, might hear a meltdown here. Just pull over. Hey, we're almost home. Don't, don't confuse her that you have two homes. There's too much going on. You want on. this water? So, I mean, in general, I think... Every time I get a new delivery, about six hours later, I feel anxiety that I don't have enough food. But that might be, I don't know what that, where that stems from. So I always feel underprepared. Has there been a day that you haven't ordered food? Have you gone a 24-hour period without not ordering more food to the house? Probably yes. But then if not, like Meg's ordering something off Amazon. So like, I don't know, like art supplies for our kids or something like that. I feel like the a lot of packages that come in and out. We're not. I'm not. I don't feel great about the amount of packages that come. The, so and, and that and so tell me, like, where does your environmentalism collide? I mean, obviously, we're self-surviving, and I'm not gonna like you know a, like actually give you real criticism on just doing what you think is best. But do you cringe at the amount of cardboard trash you're making, or where do you have guilt? Where do you wish you didn't have to do it this way? Ah, uh, man. I mean, the cardboard is okay. Like, we recycle it, and then you hope that it goes to a good place. Yeah, it goes to China to get more COVID. COVID stays on cardboard for up to 24 hours. Yeah, we're just sending that cardboard back to China on a ship. They wrap it all up, and the COVID just goes right back to them, and they put a little more on and send it back to us. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm buying. This is where I don't feel good. Like I've, I it's, when you talk about like carbon footprint and supply chain, like all my all my veggies and fruit now are basically coming from like I'm sure Fudalafu or Mike lives in Chile. Like it's like the biggest asparagus, like the giant avocados, the stuff that you know just has been like shipped from so far away because I haven't found a good local way to get this other than these California avocados that hopefully are at my house in 30 seconds, my old house. Well, what do you, do you have any motivation to like kind of change your, the way you eat or change the way that you're preparing food as part of sort of the fun of this whole thing? Well, yeah, like everyone else in the country, I'm trying to get into like baking. I have, I'm going to try to make pizza. I made biscuits. Like, so I've gotten more into creating like exciting things. Um, like why not not have but, asparagus like what's the like why do we're you... not ordering like takeout and delivery every like every day like i don't you you can become self-sufficient with the right ingredients in your house so it's a good lesson in just like making your own food and figuring out what you have even if sometimes it gets a little extravagant right all right where, where are you at with that what else do we have to live for what else do we have to live for right now than like putting some shrimp in a pasta like there's nothing else to do in the world other than watch TV. No, it's true. I just find it like where you and I have different points of view is like, why would you just skip the asparagus? Like, was there some like bacon prosciutto wrapped deep fried asparagus um, or d'oeuvre that you were going to serve poolside um, with a with a bottle of Saintsbury yeah. rosé that you had to have asparagus? The avocados are here, Alex. Yeah, yay. Hold on. All right. Should I call you back? Well, how long? Yeah, how, are you gonna take B out of the car seat or what? No, she's staying in. I got I'm putting on my gloves to go pick up. The yeah, just box. keep it rolling. Tell us everything you're doing. Okay. Yeah, I've got these. Can you picture yellow dishwashing gloves? That we can do. They're That's from like, like from an '80s movie. Okay, I'm gonna get B to stop and shut the fuck up. Earmuffs, parents. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Open my door. Landline. Landline. Hey, how's it going? Um, are you at work or what's your availability? Uh, I'm at work. Have you and Saul been texting about how he's mad at me by any chance? No. What is he uh, mad at you about? Well, we were on a chain with Gabe and Tim. And with what? You broke up there. I, we're on a. Wow, it's so cheery where you are. I hear those birds. It's so landline. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 75 or something. Wow. What's the scene? Uh, Pretty slow. Basically, Saul was on a chain with Tim and Gabe and I, and we started browbeating him about how he shouldn't be ordering food or going to get to-go food in the north end of Boston. And he right. took he like really took it hard and he left the chain. <laughs> Wait, um is that true though? I mean, do you think you're really he's doing something wrong by getting to go food and uh takeout food? Well, I think this is what Landline wants to explore this weekend is because I'm about to talk to Gabe who's about to drive to his 
previous home to pick up the 12 organic avocados that he had delivered to the wrong address. Um, right. But it's like everyone is on this different spec. That old story. What's that? Yeah, exactly. That's there's, if, if we've heard that story once on a podcast, we've heard it a million times. Um, yeah. So I think there's a spectrum of what people think is appropriate, and everyone is absolutely sure that what they're doing is you know, okay. So I just, I'm sort of fascinated by that. Like, should I go to the farmer's market today to get fresh vegetables? Well, the farmer's market, probably not. Um, one thing that I was wondering is like, if you get takeout food, like let's say you go to cookout and then like the person giving it to you has the Corona's on their hand and then they put it on the like styrofoam container and then, like, you are eating out of that thing. Are you going to get the Coronas from that? Well, how about this? See, this is where I believe the farmer's market to be way cleaner than getting to-go food, merely by the fact that that food has touched exponentially less hands than a piece of food served from a to-go container at a restaurant, as you just described. For instance— Yeah, but aren't there a lot of people— at the farmer's market? There are, but all the all the food is pre-bagged now at the farms. And you're not allowed to, like, put your hand in any basket. It's outdoors. Why, is, why would the farmer's market be any more dangerous than a basket of oranges at, at the supermarket? Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, I guess, the, well, the farmer's market, I guess, would actually be safer than... Um, the supermarket because it's outside but exactly so so in the case of delivery food and then with gabe it's all about like or excuse me to go food and then with gabe it's all about everything is being delivered and he's wearing gloves and sanitizing the cardboard boxes before he opens them so we're gonna die well i mean he needs to be especially careful given his history of like getting injured so have you met Gabe? But but yeah. but to go like a to go Stromboli, which I think is the last thing that oh he's calling me now. Just think about try, just bait Saul into podcasting with us this weekend. Landline. Your shoe? You want your shoe on? Boom. Yeah, high five. Of course we are. Where else, what else will we be doing? All right. It's in an unmarked USPS box. Now, all I hope for is that they're, like, sufficiently not ripe so we can – like, what do you do with 12 avocados? Well, this is – that was going to be the, the third leg of this <laughs> podcast tool. Why did you only – how did 12 avocados – come come to your mind i mean you want avocados but are you they're all going to get ripe at the same time why not order like 36 like aren't you just going to well, order my hope is what we're going to see is my hope is that like when they pick them they pick like an assortment of more and less ripe so that over the course of days they will uh they'll become less they'll 
Well, let's give a shout out to the. I'll just make a lot of guacamole. Let's give a shout out to the vendor. Who is this from? Is this just from like? Oh, amazing vendor. So this is a farmers market vendor, Ace Ranch Avocados. Like they just supply to like all the restaurants in LA. And I usually get them at the farmer's market, which you're still going to go to because you're a bad citizen of the world. But instead, I went onto their website and I realized that they'll send you uh, anywhere in the country. You can get California avocados, which are better than the avocados from Mexico because they're closer to where you live. So I ordered 12 of them and then I ordered 12 for my parents in Vermont. So they're getting 12 avocados, too. And it, tur- it turns out that COVID-19 is kind of like everybody's 50th birthday where you order like lobsters from Maine and New Mexico or, you know, uh, crab from Washington, salmon from Alaska to, to Miami. You just go nuts. Everyone just order whatever they want because the only way you can get anything is by ordering it anyways. Um, so actually, if you're going to buy avocados, they're going to come from Mexico or California anyways. I personally probably just won't eat avocados, although I never eat avocados. It is avocado season, isn't it? Isn't it actually the one time of year where avocados that are actually grown seasonally are ripe? I think that's true. I don't know. Do you know the answer to that? Uh, Hold on. Hold on, Alex. I'm now texting to see if I can pick up sourdough starter from someone's house. Um, I just I want people to call the landline 503-894-8480. You've had plenty of exposure to Gabe's exposure, and I just like some people to comment on whether they think sourdough starter driving around LA, getting USPS boxes, getting 10 deliveries a day is somehow safer than going to the grocery store or the farmers market. Well, Alex, you were the one who told me to get sourdough starter, right? Yeah, you should definitely get sourdough starter, but I should definitely go get more braising greens. Just just the math behind it all. It's like the chance of you getting it times the two. Well, but it does sound pretty bad. It sounds like it's a really bad I mean, thing. look, I've done a good job. I've, I feel like this is my first time out of the house other than to uh, other than walking in my neighborhood in over two weeks. Like, I'm doing my part. You are. You're doing great. All right. Well, we should wrap up here soon, but what else should we talk about? Should we talk about how Saul got takeout food and then left the text chain because we yelled at him about it? <laughs> like, he's going for, like, an afternoon espresso and an eclair. Like, talk about that. That's just unacceptable. But don't you – but it is fascinating. Like, everyone has their own concept of what is okay. You know, well, my That's mo- the problem. That's the problem with our country. It's like eight governors can say people don't have to stay at home. Some governors can say, like, stay at home and wear a mask, and others are like, maybe stay at home, but you can also go to the beach, like in Georgia, which is now opening up their beaches again. Like, that's why our country is full of fucking idiots, and, like, I wish I lived in Germany. So, (laughs) there's so much irony in what you just said that I I don't think I can touch it with a 10-foot pole. So, you wish that there was a centralized German government in charge of you? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I mean, I like – I'm pro-Angela Merkel. They have very low death rates, it turns out. Yeah, and they're already developing the antibodies so people can get, like, figure out if they have it and go back to work. Like, we're so far behind. 
Well, what do you, but, but so if you, have you seen the maps on NewYorkTimes.com that are like, okay, here's where everybody has been, you know, cause they're scraping all our cell phone data and nobody even gives yep. a shit about yep. that anymore. Right. Everyone's just like, take yep. my data. If it means I don't get COVID-19, a whole nother landline topic. So they can see who has been staying home and who has not been. And you could take an electoral map of Trump's most significant support in 2016 and layer it over the map of who's staying home and who's not. And I guarantee the red areas would be almost identical. And what I'm like, whether or not, you know, there's a lot of angles there, but one of them is the people who are going to ultimately get affected are the ones who aren't listening. The people who aren't listening tend to be Republican voters or conservatives or libertarians so I think one of the flaws in sort of the logic of what you said about how everyone should be listening and it's stupid how everybody ha- can listen to their own governor is that's not your fucking problem. You're listening. You are listening. You are staying home. You are ordering everything on Amazon and getting tons of exposure that way. But the 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 reality is those are the people who are going to die. Like look at what's starting to happen in new Orleans or look at what's going to end up happening yeah. in Texas or, you know, a, a lot of these places where people aren't listening that. And then, and then you layer on the top of that, that a lot of those people have diabetes or heart disease, or they don't exercise as much. You know, it's like the styrofoam cup crowd is going to get COVID a lot faster than like the recycled latte crowd. Well, but that's the problem to me. Like, I don't think that should be happening. Like, I feel like we should be protecting those people. And I also think if everybody doesn't do their part, then it's going to be our country is going to be so much slower to open back up because you can't open up until this whole thing is fucking an eradicator. They figure out some system. So it's like it's not like they're just going to open up like Portland and like the east side of Los Angeles and not open up other places. Or if you're talking about sports, which we all love, like you can't do that if. In fucking Oklahoma City, everybody still has COVID, but in the Trailblazers don't. Well, I don't know. There's a lot there because the people who want self-determination, the people who want small government, the people who say that they shouldn't be told by liberals on the coasts what to do with their lives or how they have to sign up for health care are much more likely to die from this than the people who all listen to their liberal governors on the coast and stay home. I don't know. There's there's a lot there, but I just at some point, if people say live and let live, then they have to also say live and let die. And if I I understand that that sounds very anti empathy and that, yeah, of course, those people don't deserve to get covid-19, but they can't have it both ways. They can't reject nationalized health care or reject like even Obamacare and like refuse to get health insurance, refuse to invest in health infrastructure in their communities, refuse to get educated about health and then cry foul or cry wolf, whatever, when there's a pandemic and not, nobody in their community is prepared. All right. Well, I feel like people can find this debate in other radio stations around the world. Yeah, you're right. What, you're what right. Can we talk? Yeah, that's right. What about, right. Our that's, Zoom, that's what about good. our Zoom conference that we're having tonight? All right, let's. So, um, all right. So tonight is our first Zoom call with all our friends from high school. Um, what are your expectations? What are your excitements? And um, what are the potential downfalls? I'm hoping that Mike is on. I don't understand how we're not going to all talk over each other, especially if Noah's on. But what I will say is, like, this this 
pandemic has brought people closer together. Like I'm FaceTiming with my parents like every single day. We're all talking to each other more. We're on text chains. We're going to all get on like computer screens and talk to each other, which three weeks ago, like you would have had a like complete meltdown and your mind would have exploded if you knew we were all going to like virtual FaceTime each other rather than planning like an event where we could all see each other. But look how times have changed. And I'd say it's, it's not a bad thing. Like 20 years ago, when we were in the landline world, it'd be a lot harder to stay connected right now through this crisis. And maybe our mental health wouldn't be as good. Well, that's what do you that, say to that? I, I say a few things. And I think in general, you're right. I would say the counterpoint to we are all staying in touch is that I'm definitely not staying in touch with people I don't like. So not only does it make you closer to the people, it makes everyone decide who they want to stay in touch with. And the people that you decide you don't want to stay in touch with probably will never hear from you again. So that's the first thing. Um, the second yeah. the second thing is if we were in the landline world and there wasn't FaceTime and there wasn't all this stuff, none of us would have all moved across the country with the hopes of having strong relationships with our parents or our friends that we grew up with. We would have made new friends in our community and the people we'd be relying on are our neighbors who are directly around us. Now, that's happening anyways, and I'm not just trying to be a negative Nancy because I agree with you. I'm glad that I can stay in touch with friends. I'm super excited about tonight. One of the most exciting things about tonight is I think we're probably going to have the over-under on people joining the Zoom is 10, and I think that like there's 50 to 1 odds that as many as 20 people could get on it. So... What I'm excited about is there's a feature on Zoom where you can make breakout groups. So, like, if a bunch of us want to smoke weed, we can, like, make a breakout smoke weed room like we're going outside of the party house in high school and have, like, a smaller group of people getting stoned in their basements on their own and having a stone conversation while all the aggro drinkers are in the other room, like, playing the equivalent of beer pong on Zoom. So I'm excited about that. Um but I agree. Everyone's going to talk over each other. No, it's great to be able to see old friends. I don't know how many Zoom calls you've had, but like we had a cocktail party with you one night. We had a cocktail party with other people. That's kind of fizzling out a little bit. Like I don't know how many cocktail parties yeah, you had this week. Those, they are fizzling out. So, you know, I, it's still fun. I, I still think the most fun part is calling each other when we're making dinner and, and saying, like, w you know, what's the story over there? Like, FaceTime is fine, but everybody ends up either looking off the screen, looking at themselves and fixing their hair, or, like, just text, you know, looking at their Internet browser while they have the other person on, on FaceTime. What did you think about my idea about how it would be fun if on a group text chain you could have, like, an AI app that, would read everybody's texts like a conversation in their voice so that I didn't have to look down and read through them all. I'm into that. I mean, most of them are from Max, and they're generally like, uh, yeah. Inappropriate. I don't want to go, yeah, I don't want to go deep into Max. Landline. Oh. Mom. You're on the podcast. Can I just ask you questions for 10 minutes? Sure. Okay, I'm doing a podcast about food this week and just the food access. And I just had a long discussion with Gabe, who literally hasn't left his house in two weeks and gets everything delivered. Yeah. So he he's making – I wanted to go to the farmer's market today to get fresh vegetables – 
but he made the argument that we shouldn't be like sending positive feedback to large gatherings in any way because that's the problem. We can't have large gatherings. So I guess what's the difference between the supermarket and the grocery store? And isn't the logic around like the spreading of the disease through a large gathering sort of moot if all the food that's being delivered around the world is like going through a million people's hands and supply chains? Well, I, I, that's not the question I guess I would ask or I would think about. Um, How are you getting your food? I am getting my food. I just picked up a, a box from a farmer where you meet between 12 and 12.30 at the steps of, on the steps of Tracy Hall. They're all there with masks on and bags with the stuff that you've pre-ordered through a, you, you buy a CSA from them, kind of, a, like a debit card. You order every week from a list what you want, and this particular person has put together, I got milk, I got um, some cheese, I got vegetables, you can get bread, you know, things from all kinds of different farms and people who produce things. You arrive at noon, they're all there with their masks on, your bag is on the sidewalk, separated from each, they're all separated from each other, you, they, you say your name, you get out, you pick it up, and you put it in your car. And I'm getting other vegetables from in the same way and then, from but, other farmers. But you went to the co-op, right? my real CSA this summer here, they've already written and said they will be – you will be ordering from a list of what they have, and they'll put it in boxes and put it outside to wait for you. But so there's no going into the farm stand. And what about, like, for cans of beans and pasta and, you know, things like that? Um, yesterday I went to the co-op for the first time in two weeks. And how, what was your, like, emotional feeling while you were shopping? I almost started to cry. Oh, I'm sorry. I um I it's the whole there are people with masks on some people have scowly faces behind their masks as if you're a disease carrier do you know what I mean I'm sure that's not their intention but other people are so friendly or if you step out of the way so they can get by you know they raise a hand or say thank you or whatever but some people are just so frightened I think that they just they make it worse. And all the people that are working there, you know, stocking the shelves, like our co-op is remarkably filled with things, except cleaning supplies. There's all kinds of meat and eggs and cheese, and, you know, they've really done a great job. But I wanted to thank all the stockers, the people who are stocking the shelves. And one woman said, I never in a million years thought that I would be someone who was considered on the front line. But I don't have to be here. I choose to be here, and I'm happy to be here. Wow. I mean, so, I, mean that... I think we're really lucky here, and my, I feel more, about, more than worrying about my own health, and I'm definitely social distancing. I'm not... I did just take a walk with someone, but we were six feet apart, you know, out in the country or whatever. I feel my job is to keep 
these farmers and the and the co-op and the people who are trying to be creative keep them in business. That's how I feel about it. So last week on Saturday, a week ago today, I went to the New Seasons, which is like the local Whole Foods in Portland, and I spent $729.10. And I, I bought 140 it says on this receipt. The receipt is two and a half feet long. And I bought 144 items, which mathematically means that my average item was around $5. So I felt like that was legitimate. Um, It was just a big – it was a giant shop. But the entire time I was going around – so they had had a line outside. It was very well organized. They have walkie-talkies. They had painted painted lines along the sidewalk under the underhang where everyone knew that they were exactly six feet apart. They had measured them in. They had you know one in one out. They had they were had a lineup um, of carts that had been sanitized. Like the carts come out, they wheel the carts all the way around. They they sanitize the cart and then put them in the cart stack so you can take a clean cart. I wore gloves, but the entire time I was in there. I felt like I was, you know, and I had just watched 1917. I felt like I had gone over the top out of the trench, and every single second I was out there before I got to the next trench was a chance I could just be shot. Like I was, yeah. I felt this every second where I wasn't at back in my car and on the way home was another second where I was being exposed. Right. And it was so stressful. One sort of lighter note. First time in my life, I realized that having the produce first is such a stupid way of doing things when you have a big shop. I put, I don't know, $175 (laughs) worth of produce on the bottom of my cart and then had 80 pounds of food on top of it. So all my grapes were smashed when I got back to the house. Um, So, you know, frantically going – I had made a list on Excel. I had printed it out. I, I, we had made the list so that we knew what we could visualize what every aisle was in the store while we were making the list. So the list was perfectly organized by the way I was going to go through. So I didn't have to like go back and I still had to run around the store back and forth to things that I couldn't find, or there were people in the aisles. So I didn't want to go down the aisle because I couldn't get close to them. It was a nightmare. And the worst part about it for me, for me, Alex McKay personally, was that was $700 that I could have spent on farms versus $700 on, although New Seasons is a great store, the commodity global food system. Well, but I think that what what we, the way I I think that it's up to the farmers to connect with you to help you find a way to you to buy from them. That's what's happening here, and I admire the the farmers who've reached out on the listserv to say, "This is what I can do for you." Yeah, it's weird. I even reached out to one big one that has every vegetable and said, "I, w- I want to come pick up a box," and they said, "We're not doing that." So. I, it sounds like I just need to shop harder on on the phone and on email until I get somebody to say you can come once a week. And as long as they have eggs, I basically – that's all I – you know, I, I have enough protein in my freezer to last. I have enough dry goods. What I really need are fresh vegetables and eggs. Exactly, and me- and milk. Yeah, we got – we ended up seeing milk that was – the expiration date was May 14th, so yeah. – we have, oh, so you did pretty well. We with have that. Ten, we have five gallons. Well, actually, we probably don't. We have 
three gallons of milk in the house now. Well, and also just an aside for anyone who listens who's a Upper Valley person, it, Norwich was terrific. Um, Salubre, was it Salubre? Anyway, a you know a guy who's usually at the farmers market with bread and and um, sandwiches and yummy yummy things had set up a little tent or a little um, stand right in front of the um, the green and people were standing six feet apart and he had a plexiglass thing and he was selling he was being creative now that i know that he's there i'll go next week and buy bread from him how how bizarre is it that this is the so you're this is probably the first you were born after world war ii and vietnam although a, a time of insane social unrest was not something where you you could still go about your life um, on on uh, yeah mentally you had problems but you weren't you weren't worried right, about it's getting it's bombed impact. in the streets. The only other thing that is slightly and minuscule compared to this didn't mean you. It was when there was the gas crisis and you could only get gas on alternate days based on your license plate numbers and you had like Phoebe was an infant and I was in Connecticut and you had to go to the gas station and wait in line and she was yammering and you know um, that was very that remains very present in my mind like 9/11 like right after 9/11 but but other what's than weird that, you're totally right if you, and I, I, I have a fear that we're all going to become agoraphobic Hold on, and we're never going to leave our houses. What's even a, when we what's can. a what is agoraphobic? Agoraphobic means fear of the marketplace, hmm. literally. So it means that people who <laughs> there are people who don't want to leave, who can't leave their house, it causes them so much stress. It's like fast forwarding my worst fears about society becoming just digital by a hundred years. Everyone is just going to normalize around making all their money and having all their social engagements through video screens. Right. And aren't we glad we have it now so we can communicate? But, like, I going to the grocery store yesterday was a really big deal for me. I had thought about it for days. Did I really want to do it? How could I do it and not? And then kind of like I do a lot of things, I just said to myself, you're going. And I'd made this list, you know, along the way. And I went, and I, but I, it was not terrifying, it was just disconcerting. The whole thing was disconcerting. Well, so the the point I was going to make, not that everything we just said was invaluable, but the point that ori- originated th- that this portion of the conversation was that, it, like, if I keep imagining, well, what, you know, the comparison in my mind is, like, living in London during the bombing, which, in, in, in the Nazi bombing, which I don't really even know that much about, but seems similar in a lot of ways to what's going on now which is this society-wide affliction and shared experience of there's no end in sight um and at least then people would go to underground speakeasies or go they would have to go to the market right it was the one thing they could do going to support the salami man and the bread person, if you could get those things. And I realize it's not that that was a good time, but the one thing I would like to do to normalize is go to the farmer's market every Saturday and see those people and smile and spend my money there. And that they're, that's the one thing I can't do. 
You know, the, th I, the thing we're supposed to do really is. I understand. Is there no farmer's market? No, that's the crazy. There, there is. It's, like no, there, there is a farmer's. Don't go. There's a farmer's market. There is a farmer's market right now happening as we podcast that is open for another two hours. My plan was to go get greens and, you know, things that are are perishable there. And I have been, I'm worried that, I, I don't know, I guess I'm somewhat worried. The other thing, too, is like everyone, you didn't listen to the Gabe's, Gabe's piece, but you can when the podcast comes out. But everything he's got in the last two weeks has been ordered to his house. And he has, he disinfects every cardboard box before he opens it. And then he leaves all the cardboard outside. And there, in a way, my personal reaction to that is that's crazy. But it, 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 he's – my, my overarching theme of this podcast, and I've talked to a few people, is that we all are someplace on the spectrum as it relates to how we're getting our food. And we're all sure that whatever we're doing is okay because that's the nature of our psychology. Um, we need to be confident that our, the, the decisions we're making are keeping us safe. And if we were questioning them, we would either wouldn't do them or we wouldn't be able to defend them. So so you decided you can go to the market. I last week decided I could go to the market. Gabe's decided he's never going to go to a grocery store until this is over. And everything is through mail order. And he's a person who mail orders anyways. Now, there's people in the supply chain there's people at the factories there's people at the distribution centers there's the ups man there's COVID is in the air there's still risk there but it's just the way that he's decided to manage his own psychological approach to the situation if you ask me so right, and that's what we all have to do that's what everyone is doing there you know on this walk in norwich some people had masks some people didn't have masks I don't have a mask, although hopefully Phoebe will be making masks today. But even if I had a mask, I probably wouldn't wear it. Yeah, I don't want to wear a mask. But if I but if I had to go to the grocery store again, which I probably will, but hopefully not for two or three weeks, I would probably wear a mask now. Just because I think people feel more comfortable around you if you're wearing a mask. So... Is the farmer's market any more dangerous than the grocery store? No. If I were you, <coughs> and this, and I think what I would do, because I love the farmer's market as much as you do, I would go to the farmer's market, maybe right now, I would check out how many people are there, I would try to be not rambling, but go to the people that matter to you there. And I would actually have a conversation to ask them, do, are they going to do something else? And like yeah. my farmer did. Yeah. See, we can't have a farmer's market. It's inside still, and it's been canceled. Right. So in the end of April, it moves outside. I have no idea what, and it's in Vermont, not in New Hampshire. So I don't know what the rules and regulations will, will be. But but um, I hope that we can go. But I, you have to not be all the whole. Uh, but to get back to what we you started with, I am with Gabe, and we were talking about this today. 
big gatherings are not a good thing. So then why are they, it's weird, why is the government, why is... If people can stay away from each other outside, then why not? I'm kind of mad, in a way I'm mad at the farmers for... Making it so hard. Well, no, just that clearly somebody has told the market directors that this, all the farmers are saying, if we don't sell here, we're screwed. We're going to go out of business like everybody else. Please let us keep selling. And they said, okay, this is food, this is a necessity and I know that some of the more progressive or not not progressive, actually, that's the wrong word. The more um, militant farmers have argued because I've heard them at the market the last few weeks saying this is no dangerous, more dangerous than the grocery store. If you're letting people go to grocery stores, you should let us sell, too. And so they've managed to keep the market open. It makes my decision a lot harder. Um, not that that's a real problem, but. The, the other thing, I just to switch switch back to my original point, I don't have, like, we don't have any more hand sanitizer. We, we, we're a big soap, we're soap people here. And we I don't have, like, Clorox wipes. We didn't get that stuff ahead of the craze. So I have bleach water in a spray bottle and I have paper towels. But I don't know how to, like, do that sort of, like, scrubbing in scrubbing out like I'm a hospital level of receiving deliveries or if I go to the farmer's market I don't know I think I just have to go and then come home and wash my hands and then and then wash all the vegetables right I mean every single solitary person who is that I've seen either read what they have to say or seen on television have all said that the most important thing you can do is to wash your hands. They have not said that you have to scrub your cans and you have to, you know, first there was a thing you had to disinfect your letters, which they've now decided you don't have to do. And so if, so my thing is I'm washing my hands all the time whenever I enter the house, whenever I, before I leave the house, before I cook, after, obviously after I go to the bathroom, all those kinds of things. And the rest of it, and I'm washing all my vegetables and my lettuce, you know, spinning it and all of that. But the rest of it, Alex, I, you know, it's beyond me. That's I'm, not it. That's not, it doesn't cause me stress. Right. If it did, I would do it. Right. I am wiping down the bedside tables, the toilets, the sinks, the handles with like bleach and water. Right. Not terribly. I am doing that. The proper solution, by the way, is 32 ounces of water for, I think, four teaspoons of bleach. Yeah. I mean, I just took the what I had left in a, in a bleach bottle and added water to it. Whatever it is, it's good enough for me. All right. All right. So well, I, I, think I, I mean, sh- I think you could go to the farmer's market and you could find out. Maybe <laughs> those guys could understand. Maybe there's no one there. Right. All right. I think for landline, I have to go. I think I've set it up too big, and okay. and certainly landline is worth dying for. So if I get COVID nineteen, it'll I'll get a lot of hits on the podcast at least. Okay. <laughs> um. All right. I'll 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 tell you how it goes later. Okay. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Landline. All right. We're gonna wrap it up here. So what are you what are you gonna make for dinner tonight? Well, I think I'm going to make your pizza recipe. Gabe, our famous guy in L.A. Okay, let's talk about that. That's what I'm trying to do. All right, let's finish on that. So 
For those of you who don't know, I owned a brick oven pizza cart called the Pizza Cart. Before that, it was called the Pie Cart. And before that, it was called Recession Pies. And before that, it was called Russian Pies. And Gabe knows, Russian all, pies. Gabe knows all about Russian Pies. We went out one night and just spelled recession wrong. And we just wrote Russian. And I've never lived it down. So, um, But I've made probably 10,000 thin crust brick oven pizzas in my life. Roman style cracker crust. Not too much sauce, not too much cheese, cooked really hot for a very short amount of time, and then has to be eaten immediately. And I, you know, I can eat two or yep. three of them to my head on a good night. So, first and foremost, Gabe, do you like that kind of pizza? Like, I don't want to go through this whole process of teaching you how to make this pizza and then have you behind my back to your wife say, you know what, I don't really like that kind of pizza, anyways. I mean, who doesn't like any kind of pizza? As Meg's fat Italian old boss said, Pizza's like sex, even when it's bad, it's still good. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so you've made the poolish. Poolish is the dough starter. Yeah. You've made the poolish. You've got your poolish ready. Poolish is a cup of flour, a cup of water, and a little bit of yeast. So, you've made your poolish, and that's how it all starts. So, now you need. Hopefully, you've got everything. You need flour, salt, yep. honey, yep. olive oil, yep. yeast, yep. and buttermilk. Yep. Yep. Got it all. So you're Most gonna... of it is organic, other than the buttermilk. All right. I also got non-organic buttermilk. You can freeze buttermilk, which I've done in my in my larder. Okay. So you're going to mix all that stuff together. It's going to be like a messy ball of mixed ingredients. Yep. The honey is going to have clumps in it, and you're going to be like, what do we do now? And you're going to dump it out onto a clean surface, marble or wood okay. or granite, whatever you have, a kitchen counter. I'm sure you have counter some sort top. of – luxurious LA Island and you're going to knead that dough for 10 minutes and you're going to be flabbergasted by how much the consistency changes over that 10 minutes. You need to, um, knead it, you know, however you see fit, but you want to stay pretty active, put your, your elbows into it, put your wrists into it and you're, you know, knead it like you're kneading anything. I don't know. Do you know how to knead? I, I, I've had a hard time describing kneading to somebody because I just know what it, what it I is. I can knead. All right. So, um, so you're going to knead the dough and you, you, it, for 10 minutes, set a timer and want pretty consistent trade off with your wife. If your arms get tired and it's going to become I- this smooth ball, you're going to, it's at night when you have a nice smooth, outside to the ball you're you're going to know that it's done you're going to put some olive oil in that same bowl or another bowl that you you mix the original ingredients in and you're just going to um sort of coat the entire ball of dough with olive oil and you're going to put a tea towel over it and let it rise at room temperature until it doubles in size which should take around two hours an hour and a half or two hours okay then your question is, do you want thin, tiny pizzas? Do you want thin, medium pizzas? Or do you want thin, big pizzas? And you have to ask yourself, what are you going to cook it on? Do you have a pizza stone? Do you have a sheet pan? I've got, it's going to be a sheet pan. I wish I had a pizza stone, but I don't. Okay, do you have two sheet pans? Do you have identical sheet pans? Yeah. Okay, so you're going to yeah. turn one sheet pan over in your oven when you're ready to cook. Turn it over, and you're going to pretend like the sheet pan is a frying pan. You could even do it in a cast iron, but you want to get that metal item hot. You don't want to put a cold sheet pan with a pizza into your oven to cook it because 
you want to crisp the bottom and it's almost like frying it like frying an egg got it so so yeah, get yeah. get a hot surface 450 475 something ridiculously hot so okay can i go to five can i go to five yeah some people like the real like home like amateur pizziolos will actually break their oven cleaning function so that they can open the Ooh. door when the oven is on clean to get it that hot so okay. so okay back to the dose so you're gonna let it double in size Clean your counter off, get ready, and now you're going to cut it into an equal amount. That It's going to be a nice, a beautiful sort of globe of pizza, and you're going to, you know, if you want, I think for a sheet pan, why don't you do eight, eight equal pieces. I want small pizzas because I want, like, to put weird stuff on mine, like anchovies and things like that, and I want to make just cheese pizzas for the kids. All right, then do 12. I did 12 then. You're going to do 12 pizzas, so you're going to cut the thing in half. Like you're cutting a pie or a pizza, and then you're going to cut that half um, lobe of the brain into quarters. So you're going to cut that into half, and then you're going to cut that quarter into thirds so that you have 12 individual pieces. And then you're going to sort of roll that on your countertop back into a ball like a tennis ball, and you're going to put all those 12 tennis balls on a sheet pan or some sort of flat surface to rise again you're rising that dough again and you're going to do another hour and a half you're going to want to cover it again with a tea towel and then after that second rise you've got what will become pizza skins and you're going to flour your counter you push that like that fully risen ball out on the counter and you're going to get a rolling pin and you're going to flip the ball over on both sides so both sides have flour and you're just going to roll it out like pie dough and it's going to um it's going to really smoothly roll out you keep flipping it over. You keep rotating it so it doesn't get caught in your pin. Use as much flour as you want. And you'll see this moment where you, you see that the dough just kind of stretches out. And then you put a little cornmeal on another um, turned over sheet pan so that you can use it like a pizza peel. If you don't have a pizza peel, you're going to cornmeal that uh, sheet pan. You're going to lay that nice pizza skin right on it. You're going to put a little bit of sauce on. And then you're going to put a little bit of cheese on even if you go crazy toppings, you can't out you can't overweigh the pizza with toppings. So go all the way to the edge. And then the the hardest part of the whole thing is you open your oven with that burning hot sheet pan upside down and you want to just a flick of the wrist, you slide that pizza right onto that 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 pseudo stone and it just cooks in about 3 minutes and you're going to have delicious roman thin crust pizza. There we go. Riveting cooking podcast. Was that good pod? Was that Russian pod? Was that bad pod? Was that good pod? No, it's good pod. I'm watching people with a Lakers bandana walk their dog on the street, and I'm 0.3 miles from my sourdough starter pickup, which I think is going to be left outside on a porch. Um, and I'm going to bring it into my car. And then are you going to are you going to like wipe it down the Tupperware? Yeah, I'll wipe it down, and then I guess we'll have another podcast about what I should do with my sourdough starter. All right. Well, we can hang up here, but I think you should write handwritten thank you notes to the avocado people and the sourdough people and send them because there's nothing good in the mail besides Amazon right now. How about we start sending each other letters? Yeah. Too, is that too much COVID? You have to wipe down the letters when you get them. I don't know. I, I just don't think you're wiping down technique. I, I think you would just make your brain explode if you think about how – how much wiping down needs to happen. I'm more of a washing my hands guy. Okay, I like washing hands. All right, well, I thought we started off strong it's here. It's been good. I thought... Yeah, this, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. 
All right. Um, good luck with the pizza. You're definitely going to dump a pizza into your oven. It's going to light on fire, and there's going to the smoke alarm's going to go off. So make sure that your kids aren't trying to go to sleep at that point. But um, I'll I'll send you a video of how you can uh, get that pizza off off the uh, off the pan onto your other okay, pan. I'm sure I'll be calling you later more questions. All right, call landline 503-894-8040. How about like uh how about props to B for staying quiet for 95% of this podcast? B, you're an incredible listener. Second children are by far better than first children. I'm so glad I'm a second child. And um and Gabe um, you know, thanks for being a part of Landline podcast. All right, so long. I'll be Bye, at the everyone. farmers market if you need me. Bye. Don't know right from wrong We're back again line.